In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, both now and ever and unto the ages of all ages, amen. This is the first Sunday of the holy month of Kiah, the month devoted entirely to the incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ, his nativity, Christmas, um, and so on. And it starts off with the angel coming to Zacharias. And the angel comes to Zacharias, and you have to notice how Zacharias is described in this chapter. He's described as blameless, he and Elizabeth, and he's described as righteous in all his ways. And in a further chapter, he's described as he was filled with the Spirit. I mean, this was not this not was not your average person. But something went wrong. Something went wrong when he heard the angel speak to him. He didn't believe. And I fear that, that, that that's the case for a lot of us. It's the case oftentimes for me. Walking well with God and things are going, things are going well and I'm well underway on the road. You know, and I'm walking in the way and I'm hand in hand with the Savior. And then something, something is, not, is not right. And while you're listening today, I, wanna, I want you to ask yourself and I want to ask myself as I'm listening to myself speak, is, is everything right between me and God. Something was not quite right. He fell backwards. There's a verse in Proverbs which chalks a little bit about falling backwards. It says, the backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways. I'm going to start off by talking about what backsliding is not. Backsliding is not backsliding in heart or falling away uh, from God after having once found him, after having once had a living and powerful relationship with him. Backsliding is not the temporary loss of feeling or emotion that we have. All of us have good days and have bad days. When we're tired, our emotions are maybe a little bit more labile. <clears throat> when we're busy, maybe we're a, little bit, we're a little bit less susceptible for our emotions to be moved this way and that. So that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is simply this. You can almost replace the word backsliding with duty. Not quite, but backsliding is when the relationship between me and God becomes formal. It becomes a formal relationship, and it becomes, becomes a relationship of duty. It's no longer what it used to be back way when, when I devoted myself entirely to God and I really chose to follow Him. It's withdrawing that entire consecration. I had poured my heart into God. I had poured my life into God. I had gotten down both knees in front of God. And now I'm kind of some in, some out. And the reality is, is that the form is usually maintained when I backslide in heart. So I will continue to pray, at least initially, for a long period. I'll continue to pray. I'll continue to fast. I'll continue to... But you know what it's like? It's like a dutiful husband or a dutiful wife or a dutiful employee. Someone who is doing their duty. It is my duty at home, for example. I like to cook. So, you know, it's become sort of my duty to do a lot of the cooking. I don't really like to clean, right? So Mary is doing a lot of the cleaning and taking care of two kids and taking care of a newborn and this and that and that. So, all, you know, probably my duties should be more, right? But have you ever eaten something and said, mmm, this was cooked with love? 
This was cooked with love. So there's cooking and there's cooking. There's cooking with love. And there's, there's food. Have you ever eaten something and said, somebody asks you, so how's your sandwich? You say, it's food, right? It's food, whatever, right? There's food and there's food. There's cooking and there's cooking. There's prayer and there's prayer. There's prayer and there's prayer. There's prayer because it's my duty. I have to. Well, I mean, that, I, mean I believe in God. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a good Christian. I, I want to go to heaven. Uh, whatever things we say to ourselves, right? The form is maintained. But the heart is lost. It's gone. Where is it? Where'd it go? How can we know if we've fallen back a little bit? And then we're going to talk about the consequences of if we stay that way. And then we're going to talk about what can be done. We can know if we've fallen into formality with God. A stereotyped way of doing things. Some rigidity in our worship. We refuse in our personal worship to do things in any, any other way. A great thermometer for how far back I've slid in is how much joy there is in my worship. Like, have you ever seen, a, you know, uh, like a kid coming to family dinner and it was their duty, like I, I have to, you know, eat dinner with my parents. It's ridiculous. Or here's even better. Have you ever seen someone uh, uh, panhandling on the street, begging and saying, well, I'm, I, you know, I'm a panhandler and so it's, it is my duty to panhandle. No, not at all. Of course not. And when, and when, and when he gets a coin, he says, okay, I, at least I did my duty today. Of course not. Prayer is a privilege. Encounter with God is a privilege. It's an enjoyment. It should be, right? It should be. It should be something that we take joy and pleasure in, right? And the truth is, is that God is not a God who has slaves. God does not have slaves. So I can't be his slave. I can be his son. At worst, I can be his servant. But I can't be his slave. Because he refuses to have slaves. It's not something that God does. What are other signs of that I've slid in back from God? When I realize that I'm a little bit more irritable, my temper is a, a little bit faster to, to boil over. I have a little bit less patience for certain people or certain things. When I've lost my charitable spirit, I'm not talking about how much you donate or how many times you go to Sunday suppers to volunteer in these dinners, or, or I'm not talking about you, if you give money to people who ask you, or that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being, having a charitable spirit. When someone says something that's a little off, am I quick to find an excuse for them? Am I quick to, to imagine the best of them? Am I quick to rise to their defense? Am I quick to give of myself to others? Or is it like every time I need to give to someone else, it's like I'm, it's like I'm, I'm, I'm shaving layers off of my skin, like I'm cutting limbs off, you know? It's painful for me to give. Not give money or time. No, to give of myself. To think well of others. To rise to their defense. How quick am I to do those things? The opposite. How quick am I to, am I to be the one finding fault? Right? 
when we're close to God, when we have that intimate, burning, zealous relationship with God, all of these things, it's like a pot which is boiling over, all of these things cool down. All of these things cool down. Yes, I still get irritated by this or that. Yes, I do. But it takes me a lot longer to get irritated. One of the best practices for, um, for that is what we call the mystical reading of the Bible. A lot, may, a lot of you may have heard me speak about that before. My spiritual father, previous spiritual father, taught me about this. When you read scripture and you don't understand, be full of confidence and faith that it is enough to be in the presence of the living word of God to be transformed. God is transforming me and transforming you. I promise you. And it takes about four to five days a week. It's one of the quickest turnaround things you can do in spiritual life. Read 10 chapters from the Bible a day. Do it for a week. You'll notice your temper. Now, it's much harder to irritate you. It's much harder to uh, uh, make you impatient. It's much harder to make you think wrongly of others. It doesn't go away entirely, right? But that process of sanctification... How much do I care about this, this, whole, this whole issue of being holy, of being sanctified? Or here's another way to state it. How much do I long to put off sin forever, once and for all? Is that like, like number one on my Christmas, my, my wish list, my letter to Santa Claus? Or is it like, ah, you know, something I thought about once a long time ago, but I don't know. How about when you read the, the magical and amazing things that God is doing in the world today or in the lives of the saints? What's your interest? What's my interest in those things? I feel like it's irrelevant. Like, I don't know, this stuff is like the fourth century. Like, who cares? Or do I feel like, look how, how God great is. Oftentimes, when I'm sitting with people, I'll ask them, what amazing things have, has God done in your life? Many times, first time I'll meet somebody or, or if I haven't seen somebody in a while, I'll ask them, what great things have, has God done in your life? Sometimes people will look, look at me sideways, like, what do you mean, right? I'll tell them, you see, I'm, God, I'm like God's Facebook stalker, you know, right? Like, um, when I first got to know my wife, right? But she didn't know that I liked her, right? So I would like troll her pictures on Facebook. I could tell you what she was wearing this weekend, you know, because she was wearing a pink scarf with her brown jacket because I saw multiple different pictures in multiple different places and that's what she was wearing. I was, I was following, I was, I was just like two days behind, you know. I was hot, hot on her footsteps. Are you and I like that with God? We want to know what's God doing. Okay, God is doing some things in my life, but I know he's doing things in your life too. And I want to know what he's doing. I want to, I want to know him more. I want to know. People say, God would never do this. I don't know. Is that true? Is that not true? Let me see. What does God do in your life? What does he do in my life? What does he do here? What does he do there? Or God schmod. Right? How interested am I in, 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 in benevolent endeavors? How interested am I in what good is happening in society and the world around me today? In the care for the poor, in Christian education, the cessation of hunger and slavery, the madness that's going on in Yemen and South Sudan. And what about my interest in spiritual conversation? When a conversation is uh, about uh, current events, you know, this, that, and so on, and what's going on, and you know, uh, 
what's going on in the city for around Christmas time, blah, blah, blah. And then, the situ- and then the conversation turns to something spiritual. How do I feel? Is that a put off for me? Do I like, feel like I should just kind of switch off and pretend to be interested for long enough until the, situa- the conversation turns to something more interesting? How about my, con- my, my enjoyment of being with people who are highly spiritual? Some people have really devoted themselves to God and they are remarkable. They're not hard to find or not hard to recognize. Do I look for these people? Do I enjoy being with them? How about my concern for those who don't know God? Where am I at there? All of these things are things that come naturally. They come naturally when I'm close to God. I have this really funny picture in, 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 in a slide in one of my talks. Um, where the, the, this, this elderly man and this elderly woman, you know, like a before and after picture, you know, like at the, their wedding picture, they look nothing alike. When they're like been married 80 years, they look identical, you know? You spend long enough with somebody, you start to talk like them, you start to walk like them, you start to think like them, you start to... If I'm, am I, if I'm in communion with God, shouldn't some of His dispositions rub off on me? And he says that heaven, all of heaven, rejoices more over one sinner that repents than 99 who have no need of repentance. When I come to church and I see eight people standing in the confession line before me, do I rejoice or do I say, oh my God, Abuna spends 45 minutes with every single one of them, 45 times eight. My goodness, I'm going to be here for six hours before I get my turn to confess, right? Do I rejoice? This, that was said to me actually by a bishop in my 40 days. He said, when you turn around at the end of the liturgy, you were preaching to 40 people and you turn around and there's 6,000 standing in the communion line and you're like, oh my God, my back is hurting me already, right? Don't say that. Say, thank God. All these people are coming to be reconciled with God. All of these people are coming. Do you rejoice with the kingdom of heaven with one sinner who repents? Because the kingdom of heaven is rejoicing more over that one sinner that repents than 99 who have no need of repentance. How about praying with others? Do I look for opportunities to pray with others? Do I change my plans to pray with others? Or do I create plans so that I can't pray with others? And when I pray with others, what's the focus of my prayers? Myself? My amusements, my, my uh, aspirations. If we look at the content of our prayers, we'll find very, very clearly reflected. If we really believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is the truth, we won't have the gall to lie to him. So when we pray, we'll be honest. So if we look at our prayers, we'll find an honest reflection of what's in our hearts. Let's talk a little bit about the consequences of having slidden away from God. The proverb says, the backslider in heart is filled with his own ways, filled with his own thoughts, filled with his own words, filled with his own ideas. I tell you the truth. My spiritual father told me, I challenge you when somebody asks you for advice, not to tell them what you think. But pause and ask yourself, how would this person answer that question? How would that person answer that question? How, would, how has this saint answered that question? And try to offer all of that before you offer, before you, you offer your own words.
filled with my own feelings. We live in a world now which is driven entirely by how we feel about things. There's lots of things that I feel great about that I know will destroy me. Full of my own feelings. Filled with my own enmities. There's things I like and there's things I don't like. God help us if there's people that we like and people that we don't like. This is not the heart of God. Like clearly, right? It's clearly not Jesus' heart. I like these people, I don't like those people. Right? So obviously, obviously there's been a rupture in the communion. Obviously, these are the consequences. This is what happens when we slide away, when we slide away from God. Naturally, what's going to come after is we'll be filled with our own anxieties. We'll be filled with our own worries. We'll be filled with our own concerns. We'll be filled with our own... Why? Because, because my world, my world in my head is me. So I can't see... I can't see past it. I can't see beyond it. What will that lead to? Be filled with my own disappointments. We all have expectations in life. And we all have unmet expectations. But with God, we're able to do what He does. What does He do? In Acts 17.30, it says that these times of ignorance, God has overlooked, but now He calls all men to repent. God is the expert overlooker. Like, he, he sees something. He's not blind to it. He sees it. He just decides to look over it. Why? Because he can see past it. He can see beyond it. Let us learn from God how to be those overlookers, right? Naturally, as I become fill, filled with disappointments, I'll be filled with disappointments with myself, be filled with self-condemnation. Self-condemnation is not holiness. Self-condemnation is not holiness. Is not repentance. Repentance is a change of mind. Somebody recently asked me, what, how necessary is remorse to repentance? Remorse oftentimes accompanies repentance. But repentance is a change of mind. It's a change of perspective. It's a change of direction. If I'm driving in the wrong direction and then I realize I'm driving in the wrong direction and I feel terrible that I've wasted all this time driving in the wrong direction and I carry on driving in the wrong direction, I haven't changed direction. That's not repentance. I'm such an idiot for driving in the wrong direction. I'm such a horrible person for driving. I'm going to go to hell for driving. I still haven't changed direction. It's not repentance. It doesn't lead to salvation. God says... Jesus says, I did not come to, to condemn the world, but to save the world. Elsewhere he says, I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. God is not looking for you and for me to condemn ourselves. Condemnation leads to despair, leads to inertia, and eventually leads to, leads to self-destruction. Repentance leads to life. Repentance is oftentimes accompanied by remorse. But remorse... It just happens to be there. I'm not sure what the relationship is between repentance, remorse, and the self. Maybe as I become more God-centered, I even become less remorseful. I don't know. I don't know. What can be done? What can we do to recover our falling away from God? Like it's a big deal. 
In Hebrews 10.38, he says, But the just shall walk by faith, but he whose heart has fallen back from me, I have no pleasure in him. The second shortest verse in the Gospels is Jesus saying, Remember Lot's wife. Three words. The shortest one is Jesus wept. Two words. Remember Lot's wife. She looked back and got turned to a pillar of salt. It's good that you've started, I've started on the path of holiness. It's good. It's very good. But don't look back. Don't fall back. And if you have, don't don't fall in despair. Because me and you, both of us, there's lots that God can do for us. There's lots that God can do for us. If we've started on the path of holiness, if we started in zeal, desiring to be with Him, in communion with Him, not some dutiful formality, you know? I've given this example a couple of times. Every time the priest holds the censer in his hand, he says prayers. He says certain prayers, right? So, there's no... Nothing in the rubrics that says that the priest must hold the censer in his right hand and must hold his left hand up in the air. But I do it. Actually, some of the monks in my 40 days made fun of me. They called me, they called me the priest who's always raising his hands in the air. But I realized that it's very easy for me to stand here going like this. Right? Where my hand is doing what it's supposed to do, but my mind is somewhere completely different. Right now, what does this look like? If 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 somebody is is doing this, but they're not doing it in spirit and truth, right? It looks like they're worshiping, but they're not, right? And that's what idol worship is. It's pagan, right? So the, it's very simple. Like I have the the choice to be a worshiper in spirit and truth, or to be an idol worshiper. That's it. Mutually exclusive. This or that. So, it's a, it's a, and that's what I'm telling you. Don't let your worship become, don't let my worship become routine and repetitive. And so, yes, the prayers and liturgy don't change from week to week. So I do things, I do things to keep it interesting for myself. Right? So I raise my hands in the air at certain parts to remind myself my hand gets tired. So then I, no, I lift it back up again. No, it wants to fall. No, go back up again. It wants to fall. No, go back up again. Right? Telling myself that it's telling me, pray. Don't just stand there. Don't just pretend. Don't just, this isn't drama. This isn't theatrics. You're worshiping the living God, the truth. So be honest. Be true. Right? That's why, that's why we do Thank you. That's why we do all of these things. But let these things that we be, do be things that engage us into true worship, not things that pull us away. What can be done if you're convinced now, if I'm convinced now that I've begun to fall away from God? First is to remember from where I've fallen. Go back to your first love. Jesus says to his disciples, he says to St. Mary to tell his disciples, St. Mary Magdalene tells his disciples, tell him to go to Galilee and there they will see me. Go back to where you first met him. Maybe geographically that may or may not be possible. Go back in your mind, in your heart. 
Because this worshiping God is a matter of heart, primarily. So go back in your heart. If you need to physically go back to the place and that's possible, go right on ahead. But it's not about taking a, you know, a trip to a certain place where you encountered God. It's about, it's about bringing your heart back to that place. Remember how sweet, how sweet that was. Remember how the book you were reading, the prayer you were praying, the contemplation you were contemplating, it was like six hours and it felt like nothing. It was the whole afternoon and, and, and you'd only read three pages and you were lost. You were lost in paradise with God. Remember that. Remember those times. Go back to those times. The second thing is don't believe that it's a mystery of how to be in communion with God. I don't mean it. I don't mean those words theologically. Yes, it is a theologi- theologically it is a mystery. But I'm talking about like I mean it in the colloquial way. Don't think it's like something unknowable how to be with God. It's not. And God is not frivolous and God is not uh, capricious like he like he just kind of does whatever he wants and you never know what he's going to do he's like one of those friends who's super unpredictable you don't know they're going to be happy they're gonna be moody you know god is not like that he's very predictable he's unchangeable right if if i if i put myself in the dispositions that will put me in communion with god i will be in communion with him why because communion requires two but he always wants to be in communion with me so what's left is for me to do my part. He's always initiating. Yes, it is an act of grace. God is always initiating. But I have to respond. So I'm not waiting for him to call me. Don't wait for the call from God. This is your call from God. This is my call from God. That this week shall not pass until my heart is on fire for God more than it has ever been before. This is your call. If you're waiting for a call, this is it. This is the call. This is the time. This is the time of salvation, said the psalm, so beautifully sung by the deacons. This is the time. This is the time of visitation. God wants to do a great work. He wants to do something in your heart and in mine. What are we waiting for? Go back to that place, that place where you met God, that place of zeal. Remember what it was you were doing. Remember the actions and then go past the actions. Remember how you felt. Remember what you were thinking about. Remember what you said to God. Remember what He said to you. Remember what you were reading. Remember your first love, says, says the Lord Jesus Christ to the churches in the book of Revelation. Let it be a work that begins in our heart. Don't for a moment imagine that if any of these things that we've been talking about apply to you and apply to me, and my conscience is condemning me now, and my conscience now is telling me, oh, something's not right, something's not right, John, something's not right. My conscience is telling me, don't imagine for one second that, that I'm justified before God. Again, I'm not speaking in terms of, you know, like a theological principles. I'm talking in terms of my relationship with Him. Because even if God is justifying me, which He is, God is telling me all kinds of things. He's telling me I'm loved, and He's telling me I'm important, and He's telling me I'm unique, and He's telling me all these beautiful things. My conscience is constantly condemning me. We need to learn not only how to live with God, but how to live with ourselves. Let this be, let this be the week 
Let this be the week that I turn to God from all my heart and my relationship with Him is restored and He reignites the fire of His divinity in my heart the same way that He lit the burning bush with a fire that could not be consumed, the same way that He filled the womb of St. Mary with His divinity and did not consume her, He can fill you and He can fill me with the fire of His divinity and give us to start this new year with a fiery new start, to start our relationship with God anew, to say this is my new birth in you, Lord Jesus. As you are born, let me be born with you anew. As you restore our humanity and put the fragmented, disjointed pieces of our humanity back together in your incarnation, you can put me back together again and make me a new creation. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. I have sinned. Forgive me, my fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters. Please pray for me.